Welcome to Fifth Wall's Fly on the Wall podcast, where we explore the shifts occurring in real estate, technology, and society that are driving our cities towards a more equitable, green, and tech-enabled future. I'm your host, Brendan Wallace. In today's episode, I catch up with Michael Beckerman, CEO of CRE Tech and CRE Tech Climate. We discuss our experience in PropTech over the course of the last several years. And Michael explains why real estate owners whose technology strategy does not include climate tech will fall behind the curve. Enjoy the conversation. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining. Where's What's that behind you? Where are you? Hey, Brendan, great to see you, my friend. I am in Northeast Pennsylvania, about 15 miles from the New York border, uh, an area called uh, the Endless Mountains or others call it the Delaware River Valley. And it's a beautiful, very rural part of the state. A uh, lot of farms, a lot of, lot of uh, agriculture, but it's, uh, we're blessed to uh, have a home here. Nice. I wanted to just talk to you for a bunch of reasons. Obviously, I think what, what you've done in and around PropTech has, has been inspiring to so many people. And I think what's so interesting is that you've kind of had this almost like bird's eye view of the whole evolution and all the dynamics of this merging PropTech ecosystem starting in New York and now obviously becoming nationwide and global. I'm just curious, like, when you step back uh, and you think about when when did you start in prop tech? Like what year were you starting? I, I probably twenty twelve somewhere around that that time. I remember, uh, you know, it was BTS, it was Comstack, it was a few others in New York. It was probably around that time. And what was it like back then? And how would you compare that to what it is today? Oh my goodness, uh, it's it's such an interesting. Uh, question and it's something I don't reflect on that much. So um, I don't know if my words will be eloquent. They usually aren't. But, you know, just to take a step back for me, I've been in commercial real estate for over 30 years. So it's the only real industry I know. And my previous life, I was an uh, unsuccessful college student. And uh, in my, I was probably in my early 20s, 21 or what have you, I needed to find a way to make some kind of money. And I was always fascinated by news and media. So I went into the PR business. I didn't know anything about it. And so I spent the, you know, the 80s and the 90s and much of the 2000, early 2000s in the world of real estate PR and media. And so it's an industry I, I, I knew really well and was extremely passionate about. And around that time, I'd say about 2011, 12, you know, I just, uh, you know, to quote the great, uh, poet Bruce Springsteen in his poem, Dancing in the Dark, um, I just was bored with myself and I just needed to find another blank canvas. And for me, I didn't know anything about technology. I was not good at it. I'm still not good at it. Um, but I thought, you know, I'm, I'm reading about all these other industries, fintech and healthcare and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why not real estate? Something's going to happen at some point. So I put my toe in the water around that time and it's been an extraordinary journey um, since, you know, 2012 to present day. I mean, I would just say just high level. What we saw was in the very, very beginning, it was, you know, 
the number of startups coming onto the scene went from a few dozen to 7,000. The money that was coming in and being invested, it was mostly high net worth, family offices. I think it was probably $50 million around 2012, 13. Last year, you know, it's in the 20, 30 billions of dollars. Corporates now starting to adopt uh, and get involved and engaged. Um, so the progress has been extraordinary. The challenges are still there, though, which is adoption and which we can talk about. But, you know, there's been some seminal moments in the space. Clearly, when, when you and, and your partner, Brad, came to New York, and I remember that meeting uh, very, very vividly. I think it was- It was in a Starbucks, right? Yeah, right, right. Starbucks somewhere in the 20s. You two were so impressive and uh, thoughtful, and you had such good you know, pedigree in terms of backgrounds. And you started telling me about what you were about to do. And I was, it wasn't that I was skeptical, my friend, but I was like, how much? $212 million prop deck. And then, you know, you sent me the press release and it was like, game on. And at that moment, the industry really started to mature and I think um, make extraordinary progress, but we still have a long way to go. When you look at, say, how the prop tech ecosystem has gone from being so New York focused. Like I remember when we started, it was so New York focused. Obviously we were based in LA and there wasn't really a lot coming out of LA at the time. How and why do you think it's shifted to being more of a nationwide and now global phenomenon? Yeah, you know, it's it's a great question. I think when I I often, and I still get these sort of um, comments that I'll hear from people that come into the industry from, uh, fresh from other industries, whether it's tech or consumer or other business verticals. And they say, oh, well, real estate's the biggest asset class in the world, very little tech adoption. It's gotta be, it's gonna be a hockey stick. You know, it's gonna be so quick and so fast and we're just gonna scale. And it doesn't happen. And you and, and Brad know that as well as anybody because of your backgrounds in real estate, which is I think what makes you such an effective thought leader uh, and investor uh, in the space. But the reason that real estate is not, invested in technology is because it hasn't had to, right? Like it's an, it's an industry that for decades, for generations has made extraordinary wealth and progress without technology. So what's the motivation? What's the incentive? You know, there just hasn't been any. Um, COVID changed a lot of that, you know, COVID there's so much, um, you know, tragedy and sadness and pain and suffering as a result of this past year and COVID. But there are, if you look for it, and it's sort of my Buddhist nature to, to try and find opportunities to grow. And uh, I, you know, you could look at COVID and say it was an extraordinary accelerant of, of tech adoption in all industries. And we're not talking just about Zoom, we're talking about from operations to properties. And, you know, we've seen it globally to answer your question. You know, when, when we started, um, when my partner, uh, Pierce Nightkin really started Cretech back in 16, or um, I mean, I'm sorry, in 2012, and then we acquired it in 16, 17, it was more of a volunteer sort of network. And it was tremendous, it was a great community. Oh. How big were the conferences back then? Just yeah, I mean, there were dozens, you know, a couple dozen people. And the last one that we did in Brooklyn was 2000, over 2000. You and Brad delivered the keynote. And, you know, our audience now, it's, it's about 100,000 and it is global. We acquired Future Prop Tech at the end of last year. So it is absolutely gro- global. And I got to tell you, and, I, you know, I, I keep throwing it back at you guys, but 
we've been following a lot uh, uh, on your coattails. Honestly, my friend, like when you guys went international, you know, that kind of gave us the confidence to say, okay, if fifth wall's doing that, let's go there, you know, and we're going to hopefully get, we'll get into climate a little bit. Same thing, you know, you're pushing the envelope and we're trying just to, to keep up with you guys. I remember when um, I went and I, I spoke at future prop tech, this was back in yes. right after we raised our first fund actually. And I went over there and I was like, wow, this conference is really big, which is it's in London, obviously. And I was like, there's clearly demand for this here as well. And that really got our wheels turning in terms of, you know, the business of owning a building fundamentally isn't that different between London or Tokyo or New York. And so, you know, the United States has spawned most of the valuable prop tech to technology to date, but that's changing, right? And the capacity to, you know, be a platform to take US prop tech companies or fintech companies and bring them to Europe and or take European companies and bring them to the US and to Asia and vice versa. There's just so much opportunity there. And we really saw that between our first and our second fund. The hardest thing for us at the outset was to draw that distinction between technology adoption, which is inherently internal and starts internal and will always be internal to a company and technology investing, which is, I do think always best done external. Um, but that's a, that's a real mindset shift. And I think if you look at other industries, they've gone through what real estate has gone through in the last five years, but they did it like a decade earlier, right? Yes. So the reason I think it's so interesting is in light of what you're doing now, Michael, which is we're seeing some parallels, I think, um, between what happened in prop tech over the last eight years. And I think what you're about to see in climate tech, but backing up, I guess, you built this massive media empire, right? You are the dominant media empire in all things real estate tech. You host the biggest conferences. You have the content everyone looks to, to gather information on the space. What prompted you to focus that on sustainability? Like, where did that come from in you? Well, it's, it's, it's a, it's a uh, personal uh, journey, to be honest. Um, and, you know, I'm 56. I've been working, you know, nonstop since I'm, like I said, 21. And, you know, I work to grow my own um, knowledge. And, and, you know, we call it in, in our Buddhist practice, the human revolution. And I just keep trying to get better and educate myself. And, uh, you know, you and I connected in, I think it was, I'm trying to remember the exact month. It was probably over the summer of 2020. And we started talking about the next conference. And, you know, you're somebody I've just got such extraordinary respect and admiration for and what, you know, what you represent, what Fifth Wall represents with the team. I mean, it's if anybody has not had the pleasure of interacting with your organization. It, it's, it's just phenomenal from top to bottom, all the way through. And so we, you know, I've sought your counsel for years and we were talking about the next conference and I was like, you know, you got any ideas? And you're like, well, sustainability. I'm like, oh, okay. So again, just like in 2012, I don't really know too much about it. I haven't really studied it, but here I am um, in this beautiful part of the country and I sit outside every night in a fire pit. I go hiking in my woods. I've been to every national park I could possibly get to. I am obsessed with the outdoors, but I'm a hypocrite. Because in my professional life, 
I'm working with the largest asset class in the world. And this personal passion of mine, uh, the environment, I'm not translating it into my professional life. And in talking to you about what's happening, you really raise some alarm bells. And then we, we put together that extraordinary conference, I think in October, thousands of people from around the world. And I just sat there mesmerized, listening to every video, every interview that you did. Um, and I just felt like it was like an awakening. So I turned to you after that conference and I said, Brendan, I got to go big here. This is going to be my legacy. This is going to be bigger than- I remember than that. I remember that email. I, and, and you're like, what did you say? I'm in. <laughs> the wall is in. Whatever you want, you're going to do, you have our support. And that was it. And I was like, okay, let's go. And so we're going to build Cretech Climate. And it'll be the, the biggest thing I've ever built. And with your support, uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to replicate what we've done on PropTech, but hopefully it'll be 10 times as big. And therefore, you know, just an extraordinary impact on society at large. So you got me at sustainability and uh, climate and I'm in and we're going to do this together. And I can't thank you enough for your support because I can't do this on my own. This is big. This is too big. And um, so I, I think everyone, everyone in the real estate industry should be rooting for this, right? I mean, this is, you know, the way I kind of developed a passion for it was in some ways a negative reaction to what I was seeing in the real estate industry. So, you know, when we started Fifth Wall, the, the, the focus was not sustainability. The focus was technology for the real estate industry. And to some extent, we were almost expressly not focused on sustainability in part because I had, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the hangover stigma of what had happened in prior iterations of green tech 1.0 and clean tech. One of the interesting things going back to what we talked about with like the emergence of prop tech was it felt eerily reminiscent mm -hmm. of some of the dialogue I would have about prop tech back in 2016, mm -hmm. which is like, you'd ask real estate owners, you'd say, you know, what are you doing around investing in technology? They would say, well, I'm a real estate company. I don't, I don't invest in technology. And, you know, I, I was trying to raise money. So I would say, well, you, ha <laughs> you haven't historically, correct. Um, but you need to. And right. I'm pretty sure you will in five years. And it's taken five years, I think, for real estate owners to get that. And I was getting the same reflexive responses in and around decarbonization, right? Which is I'd ask owners, well, what are you investing into climate tech? And you'd say, well, they'd say, well, I'm a real estate owner. I, why would I invest in climate tech? And right. now we actually know the stats. Like here's a really interesting stat. Do you know that today with the very best technology that we have that exists, that's readily adoptable inside a building, if you, even if you were to deploy it all and change over your energy sources, you only get about halfway there in terms of reducing the operational carbon footprint of a building. Mm -hmm. Meaning even with best intentions and perfect adoption, we're still only halfway there, right? Halfway towards the standards that one would need to meet in order to achieve the Paris Accord Agreement and you know, obviously limit temperature rise globally to two degrees Celsius. Like that is all we can do. And so everyone, the whole real estate industry, the whole world, anyone that lives on this planet should be betting 
that the technology emerges that solves the other 50%. Right. And one of the big structural questions I always ask is, who's going to fund that, right? right. Because it's not enough money is going into the space today. How do we fund that, that, that structural shortfall to close that gap so we can actually reduce the footprint operationally of buildings to zero carbon footprints? And yeah. I didn't hear a good answer. So that, that was how I came at it. And, you know, I, I always saw CRE Tech as kind of this platform. And I was like, well, why don't I just talk publicly about yeah. this point of view? And what I think your conference has enabled us to do, and frankly, the, the, the growing attention from it is attract real estate owners that, that I guess, think like we think, Michael, yeah. right? That, that have this environmentally progressive view and want to close that gap. You said a couple of times that COVID was an accelerant. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, I just think, I think, I think real estate companies and most companies, they had to adopt tools to help them operate uh, remotely. And then right. they also had to get people back into their buildings uh, in, in the safest manner, uh, et cetera. So they needed tools, whether it was uh, something to help them transact or tr something to help them understand what their portfolio looked like um, or how to get people into a building with building access. So it was really just the real estate companies now all, you know, like the rest of the world working remotely, but did not make those investments in tech. So now they had to. So that's what forced it, in my, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, on the, on the climate side, I think the difference between climate and, and just real estate tech is that on climate, there's going to be pressure, right? Corporates, I mean, and it's not just Larry Fink's letter, as you well know, because you've been interviewing so many people in the space. And I encourage everybody to go to uh, Fifth Wall's YouTube channel and see all your extraordinary videos. The uh, Jeffrey Sachs one was just mind-boggling for me, but many, many, many others that you've been doing. And that's where I'm, that's you're my lab, man. So that's where I've been learning. But you know, corporates now. It's again, it's not just Microsoft or uh, you know um, Amazon and Apple. It's like now it's Goldman Sachs, it's fintech, it's all the financial services companies. They are mandating some kind of uh, climate. Uh, strategy with their investments and their footprints as well. So you've got the corporates now putting price, going to put pressure on real estate. They're going to look at buildings and understand what what's the carbon impact of this particular building? How safe and, and healthy is it for my employees? But you've also got this younger generation coming that I'm so inspired by. I can't tell you since we announced just last week that Fifth Wall and Cretech were going to uh, work together on this climate initiative, how many young people have been emailing me, finding me on LinkedIn saying, how do I get involved? These are college kids. And again, you're so knowledgeable in this space, Brendan. What is it going to take to get the real estate industry to accelerate adoption because the clock is ticking and we don't have time? So what do you think is going to do it? Is it are we going to have to have some kind of pledge or is there going to have to be some financial incentives? Where, where's your thoughts on this topic? It's a great question. Um, I'll take a stab at it because I don't totally know, right? We're, we're, we're still putting together what we think is a part of the solution, which is this global consortium of real estate owners to invest in climate tech to take collective action. And then it gets more granular than that. You really need all states in the United States to cooperate with one another and all cities to cooperate with one another. And the challenge is that when you take that down to its granular level, you end up with you know, big real estate companies that on their own don't have the capital, don't have the expertise to 
invest in, identify, and adopt the best solutions to decarbonize their business. And so that is, I think, almost definitionally a kind of frozen static state that we're in right now, where there's not, an, there's not a big pool of capital that's saying this pool of capital is expressly mandated to help the real estate industry decarbonize by closing that gap, that 50% gap I was referencing. So one part of it, honestly, I do think is something I hope to solve with Fifth Wall, that that's really important to me. And I thought we were in a unique position to do that. And I think that's one part of it. I think that the other parts of it that are really important are regulators. Um, and we've just left, right, probably the most environmentally regress regressive administration, certainly in our lifetimes. And it is now being followed by what is self-admittedly the most progressive administration around climate policy, which is what the Biden administration is proposing to do. I think you're seeing a, a kind of holistic federal change around climate policy, right? So what happened in New York, kind of the, the Green New Deal policies that have taken root in different forms in different cities, those are really important. And one of the reasons they're so important is that unlike other industries, the real estate industry can't move. It can't change locations. The Empire State Building will always be in New York City. You cannot move a building, right? And that, by the way, that happens in other industries where regulations change and car manufacturers move overseas, right? That can't happen in real estate. It is definitionally based in place. And so federal and local regulation, I think, is a big part of it. I think is becoming increasingly, it's becoming increasingly clear to real estate owners that if they don't have a plan to reduce their operational and embodied carbon to zero in new construction, but also in existing buildings, they're going to have a very difficult time raising money, right? So it's cost of capital driven, major REIT equity buyers, major commercial real estate lenders, residential real estate lenders, even now insurance premiums are reflecting both existential climate risk, but also climate mitigation action by the insured assets. And real estate is, if anything, it's a cost of capital business, right? Most commercial real estate assets are just physically instantiated bonds. So if you change the cost of capital, you change the behaviors of the owners of those bonds. So you change the behaviors of the owners and operators of, of real estate. And I think the last you touched on, which is this generational shift, right? I'm, I'm a millennial. This is more of a hot button issue for my generation than it is for the generation prior. This is a table stakes for the place you live, the place you work, the university you attend, the clothes you buy, every aspect, every facet of your life now has to represent a sustainability ethos. Mm -hmm. And I think what is incumbent on people like you and me to do, Michael, is to make everyone, including that generation, aware that real estate has this outsized impact, right? You, you think about the things that intuitively come to mind to reduce one's carbon footprint. Um, and some of them are almost meme-like, you know, uh, use a paper straw, don't drink out of a plastic straw. Of course, that's a really good thing to do. But in the context of one's holistic carbon footprint that has a de minimis impact versus the building you choose to live in or the office you choose to work in. Yeah, and we can't do it alone. I mean, we're, while Cretech has, as you know, my friend, a, a massive audience focused on, on, on real estate innovation, technology uh, investment, you know, this, this, we've got to go out 10 times tenfold in, in, in the world that we need to get uh, in front of. I, I think like 
what I see my role is, is that, you know, we're going we're gonna to go out to the marketplace and we're going to broadcast what's happening. And we're going to tell multiple stories about job creation, about ROI in terms of attracting tenants and attracting residents, uh, about branding opportunities and all that and all that. And we're just going to have to, I think, attack it on multiple fronts to tell as many different stories with as many uh, different uh, participants and players as we possibly can to try and galvanize this industry, but we've got to do it fast. There is an extraordinary sense of urgency, as you know, better than anybody. I'm so excited. I wake up every day. I, I, and it's going to be hard, man. This is going to be, as I said, this is going to be a hundred times harder than what we've done on the real estate tech side. And because it's calling attention to it, it's, it's like the, you need, you need to have the voice, right? Mm. Um, and I think you have the voice and I think CRE tech has that platform and then you need the muscle. Right. You need yeah. you need to have someone actually like like invest in the science. And I think it's the, yeah, yeah. that's where we come in. And <laughs> and I think it's I think what's so hard about this, but also what's so inspiring about it is that it's so obvious why this is important. Alexa's <laughs> talking to me right now. Well, she's probably giving you affirmation that keep going, Brendan. That's exactly. what she's saying. I think I think she said right on. I can't say her name or she'll start talking again. But um, <laughs> anyway, she's excited about this. She's rooting for us. <laughs> I know. Um, she is. Anyway, well, look, Michael, I just feel like this is such an important issue and I couldn't be more thrilled to be working on it with CRE Tech. I think what you've done in building an ecosystem and building a brand to support that ecosystem and how every entrepreneur in that ecosystem talks about you, how every corporate talks about you and that brand and that trust is so powerful. And I think it's so awesome to leverage that in this as, you know, what is self-admittedly for you, a new space, but a space that leaves a legacy, right? Leaves almost more of a legacy than prop tech on its own. And I always think about that even in terms of fifth wall. I was like, if, if, prop tech's, if prop tech's main purpose was to set fifth wall up, to have an opportunity to reduce the carbon footprint of the most contributive industry on earth, earth to climate change, which is the real estate industry, it was all worth it just for that. Yeah. And I imagine you probably feel somewhat similar. I do, my friend. Well, you know, I... I do look at my own personal journey and not to, again, to make this too much about me, but I'm hoping that perhaps my story might inspire others to follow and get involved, right? If we, though, if those of us that have a voice don't do something about it and now it's going to be too late. I've got a big real estate community, a big tech community, and now we've got to go with your support because I can't do this without you. I, I mean this, my friend. There is no way you're, you're just this turbocharged to this platform with your support and your knowledge and your contact to really make it meaningful and impactful and not just a box that I checked that said, oh, sustainability, ESG, it's trendy, it's hot. Let's check that category. Our readers, our viewers will like that. Bullshit. It's to change the planet. So I thank you for your time like and your support. And I'm super excited. Well, I am thrilled to be working with you, Michael. This is going to be exciting. And I think we're both going to put our dent in the universe, hopefully, with this new initiative. So thanks so much for chatting, as always. I always love hearing your thoughts on everything. 
I'm super excited to be partners with you on this venture uh, and your, your support and your sponsorship of uh, what we're doing is going to make 2021 the most critical, impactful year of my, of my life. And I know that. So thank you. All right. Thanks, Michael. Be good. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fly on the Wall. All of these episodes and more are available on our YouTube channel. To learn more about Fifth Wall, visit our website at www.fifthwall.com.